0: Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. A no. and then- a with the- I don't know if i this particular But Beyoncé had one of the best videos of all time. Well, Olivia O'Donnell's disgusting. I mean, both inside and out. You take a look at her, she's a slob. He is wrong. The gentleman is wrong! The gentleman is providing cover for his colleagues rather than doing the right thing! It was probably by winning, I win here and I win there, that one. All right, well good morning everybody, how we doing? Hey, okay, Hey. would you guys join me in welcoming Nutley in New Brunswick, watching on the big screen, glad you guys are with us today. Thrilled you're with us for for week two of the series we're calling The Missing Element. And I want to begin uh, today with kind of a game, actually a little contest called Who is More Powerful? Okay, I'm going to show you two pictures, and then you answer the question, who is more powerful? Ready for for, the first set? Donald Trump or Mother Teresa? Who's more powerful? How many of you have seen The Apprentice? Okay, (laughs) you've seen The Apprentice, you've seen Donald Trump. I mean, in the traditional sense of the word, Trump is kind of a powerful man. He's Rich, he's famous, you're fired, he's got power, he doesn't, you know, he's one of the more egotistical, boastful characters of our time. But let me tweak the question a little bit and say, which of the two has led a more powerful life? Would you change that? Would you change your answer? Because almost everybody would agree that Mother Teresa has led a more powerful life. I mean, a, a Catholic nun who has lived in poverty to serve the sick and the dying in the slums of Calcutta. That's incredible. She has chosen a life not of upward mobility, fame and riches, but of downward mobility, devoting her life to serve people who can't possibly pay her back. And she's become iconic, one of the most influential leaders of the 20th century because of her humility. That's powerful. Donald Trump gets our envy. Maybe you want what he has. He gets our fear like you don't want to cross him. But Teresa, she elicits something else. She actually got our admiration, our respect, our our trust. In fact, I want you to think about this. Think about it. If you were sitting on an airplane that was suddenly going down and there was only one parachute between you and your seatmate, who would you hope was sitting next to you, Donald Trump or Mother Teresa? How How would you answer that question? It tells you implicitly, you see. We trust people who are humble. We we admire them. We actually want to follow them because we believe they have our best interests at heart. It's not all about themselves. And that's true power. Trump wields power, but Teresa has lived a powerful life. How about this one? Ready? One more. Who's more powerful? Jay-Z or MLK? All right, I want you to think about this. Okay, if if you are uh, above 40 years old, that's Jay-Z, okay, over here, just so you don't get that confused there, okay? Okay. He's a rap impresario, okay, kind of a media mogul, married to Beyonce. Forbes estimated him as worth $475 million last year, all right? And uh, on the left, you have a, a poor preacher, right? A pastor who spent time in a Birmingham jail whose life was actually cut short by an assassin's bullet. And the question is, well, who has lived a more powerful life? More powerful life. Nothing against Jay-Z, gifted artists. I'm guessing they won't be erecting a monument to him on National Mall in, you know, in Washington. See, one man has influenced our culture, but the other changed it. Why? Answer one word. Humility. Can we say this? Humility. This is the missing element in our culture today, and the premise of the series is very simple. We live in a world where ego, fame, you know, self-promotion, it's all about you know, uh, material success and self-advancement instead of a life of humility and service and self-sacrifice. But the truth is this humility is the missing ingredient if you want to live a life that is a powerful life. I don't mean just like a good life, but a life that is truly great in the eyes of God. As we saw last week, humility is the central attribute of Christ that was highlighted in Philippians 2, which says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself, what's the word, nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance of as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That Latin word, humilitas, right, is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He is easily the most humble leader the world has ever known. We call him Lord because Jesus' death on a Roman cross, it literally changed the way The ancient world thought about humility. Up to that point, it's all about honor. you got to show pride and honor to your family. But his crucifixion redefined greatness because all of a sudden it was about putting others' needs ahead of your own, even dying for it. In the first century, crucifixion was the lowest form of death. It was humiliating. And the early believers just looked at their, they said, they looked at Jesus and said, hey, if the greatest man who we have ever known is willing to lay down his life on a Roman cross, the innocent dying for the guilty, then true greatness must exist in serving others. And so Paul wrote, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. See, the cross changed everything. The Christian life is cruciform. That is, true greatness exists in downward mobility, putting the putting someone else's deal ahead of your deal. It's an attitude that says, You are greater than me. You guys remember it? Say it again you are greater than me. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and the needs of others more. This is kind of fun. Last week, we turned to each other and said, you are greater than me. Tim Tebow visited one of our services, and it was hilarious because out of the corner of my eye, I see him turn to the guy next to me. He's like, you're greater than me. And the guy's like, no, dude, you're awesome, man. You're so great. You're the bomb. (laughs) It's kind of of a funny moment. Uh, Now, here's the deal. Even if you're not a Christian, um, you can see the value of this Generally speaking, most of us can't stand people who are proud or full of themselves, but we're inspired. We're, we're drawn to people who are humble. Um, any boxing fans here? Any fight fans? Okay. Let me show you a picture of two of the greatest fighters of all time. Okay. In this corner, Cassius Clay, more popularly known as Muhammad Ali. Good. Okay. In this corner, anyone know who this is? That's Joe Lewis. Okay. Heavyweight boxing champion of the world from 1937 to 1949. Now, boxing fans, which was the more powerful fighter? Which is the more powerful fighter? Oh, oh, I heard that. Okay, now let me, let me tell you a story that may kind of tilt your scorecard a little bit. Muhammad Ali, obviously, he's kind of known for his public boasting, you know, I am the greatest, flute like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Remember that whole thing? A lot of showmanship, yeah, but kind of at the peak of his career, there's a funny story. Apparently, Ali was flying on a plane, an airplane, to go defend his title when they ran into some turbulence. And the airline pilot came on the pilot plane and said, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I need you to buckle your seatbelts. We're about to hit severe turbulence. And so the crew hurried up and down the aisles to make sure everyone's buckling their seatbelts. And a stewardess walked into first class where there's Muhammad Ali and his seatbelt is unbuckled. He's just like looking through a magazine. And she goes, Mr. Ali, I need you right now. We need you to fasten your seatbelt. And he looks at her and says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Yeah. And quick as a flash, the stewardess said, with all due respect, sir, Superman don't need no plane. You know, You, you, you wish you could have seen the look on his face at that moment, right? Now, contrast that pride with Joe Lewis. In the 1930s, Joe Lewis was sitting on a bus in Detroit. This was before he became champ. When three young street toughs apparently hopped on the bus, decided to have some fun, and actually began insulting this guy in the back who was sitting down. He didn't reply. They actually started pushing him a bit. He didn't budge. And so they turned up their insults and actually got racial with him. And he stayed quiet until, bing, his bus stop stopped came up, and he stood up, and all of a sudden the kids were like, whoa, because he's a lot bigger than these kids anticipated. And he walked towards them, and he reached in his pocket and pulled out a little card and handed it to him and walked off the bus. And as the bus drove away, the young men gathered around and read on his business card, it simply said, Joseph Lewis Boxer. They had just tried to pick a fight with the heavyweight champion of the world, okay? The Brown Bomber, one of the fiercest fighters of all time. Now. Who is the greater man? I mean, here's a guy capable of defending his honor in a single crushing blow, and yet he chooses to forgo his status and actually hold his power for the good of others. In this case, three very lucky young men. And that's the very definition of humility. It is the noble choice to forgo your status and use your power to serve others. And see, that was emblematic of Lewis's whole life. He was actually raised in poverty, by former slave parents, and he never forgot his humble beginnings, and he said, you know what, when, this success is just a chance to give back some of what I've received. Interestingly enough, Lewis is listed as the number one boxer of all time, and Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, is number two. See, the truth is, we all want to live an inspiring life. I mean, who doesn't want to you know, be known as, they were great men. But the path to true greatness, according to Jesus Christ, leads through a cross, It's about being cruciform. It requires you to die to something in yourself. And in dying, finding real life, true life, eternal life is what the Bible calls it. That's not the counterfeit life, which is all about popularity and wealth and material success. But an eternal kind of life that is truly great in the Father's eyes. that he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Today, I want to show you how this works because humility isn't something that you can just naturally generate. You can't be like, okay, going to work on my humility. Hey, I think I'm getting really good at this. Now it's gone, you know, kind of thing. Um, You can't say, I want to be more humble on your checklist. It's really about what God does inside of you as you submit your life more to Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens because to be truly humble means like Jesus, you make yourself vulnerable, okay? Okay. Yet, you, you don't win every argument with your spouse. That's, what, that's one of the things it means, practically speaking. You're comfortable with other people getting the spotlight at work, getting the credit. You begin steering your money and resources towards people who actually need it more than you. Humility changes everything from your career to finance your relationships. And all of it is counterintuitive. You will, it will not come naturally, but the results are incredible. I am, I am really convinced this is one of the, 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 the most closely kept secrets of Scripture Because the Bible says over and over, whoever humbles himself will be what? Exalted. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. In other words, there's a boomerang effect at work here. That if you and I are willing to actually take the risk to humble ourselves, be put low, give other people first place, and then give God the glory for our successes, then the Father says, whoa! Now here's somebody I can bless. Here is somebody I can trust to live like my son. And he exalts us. Have you ever seen... An actual boomerang i'm talking about the boomerang effect this is this is actually an authentic i'm not talking about toys r us boomerang this is an authentic australian boomerang okay this was sent to me by one of our aussie podcast listeners down under glad you guys are listening and this is kind of cool how a boomerang works um boomerangs are actually made um from the from a tree like the, the trunk of the tree and then the roots go out this is the trunk part this is the roots that's actually how a boomerang gets its curve And this was made by aborigines. And the way you throw a boomerang is actually not like this. It's overhand. You you throw it overhand and it circles back to you. Kind of show you a little example of this. If you take a look, this is a bigger style boomerang, but watch how this guy throws it. It's not sidearm. He goes overhand. And if you look, it starts very low, but then look, it begins going higher and higher and higher. And it circles. We'll kind of slow it down so you can see this. And watch where it returns to him. It returns to him at a much higher place than where it began. That's how a boomerang works. It actually begins low in the air, but when it returns full circle, it's higher. That's the boomerang effect. Something starts low, but eventually comes back to you. I don't love uh, just, you know, learning stuff from video. I would love to just kind of make this live. So just heads up in the back row. You ready for this? One, two. You know, this would be awesome. i love that, man. Wish we had higher ceilings someday. All right. Here's the deal. You see the spiritual parallel? You got it? Okay. Scripture says if you humble yourself, if you begin low, at just the right time, the Father says, I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to lift you up like I did my son Jesus. See, Philippians 2 is a boomerang. We just looked at the beginning last week. It it starts low with this description of humility. Jesus humbled himself. He came as a servant. He made himself nothing. He died on a cross. He started low. That's how Philippians begins. But listen to how it ends. Therefore, God, what's the word, church? Exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's what? Above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see the boomerang? Christ's life on earth begins in humility, but ends in exaltation. Because the one who trusted his Father... To be made low is also the one who made him high. From earthly shame to heavenly glory. From a Roman cross to a crown in heaven. The boomerang effect. Jesus talked about this principle in Luke 14. And I want to invite you to open your Bible. If you have a Bible on your iPhone or some other inferior device, you can take that out. Because Jesus not only demonstrated humility... Uh, in his life. He was always talking about it, teaching his disciples about this. He was like, guys, this is the way to true greatness. It's a boomerang thing. And in Luke 14, he tells a story to illustrate. If you look just there real quickly, look at Luke 14. It says that he was invited to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, which simply means he was on a VIP list. Uh, There was this moment, although Jesus was humble, his miracles were becoming famous. His teaching was getting attention. His ministry was kind of blowing up. And this well-known religious leader invites him over for a public reception. And if you look at verse one, it says, He was being carefully watched. So I want you to imagine the scene. All the VIPs are kind of milling about. It's an invitation-only affair. And uh, after they serve cocktails, they're they're like, Jesus, we saw the wine trick. Enjoy, you know. The guests are invited into the main room, including Jesus. And here's what verse 7 says. When Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, dude, can you just give give this man your seat? You move over there. And then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So when the host comes, he says, dude, why are you sitting here? Friend, move up to a better place. And then you will be honored in the presence of all your guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be, what's the word? Humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The boomerang effect. Jesus is like, if you live a life where you are always jockeying for position, vying for the spotlight, I want the best seat in the house. That's where we get the phrase from. He's like, you'll inevitably be humiliated if you start up here. But if you begin with a posture of humility, you put the needs of others ahead of your own, guess what? At just the right time, you will get the master's attention. And he himself will do what? I want you to come up here. I'm going to lift you up. You start here, it gets the master's attention, and you end up here. This is how it works, guys, in God's economies, in the Christian life. Unfortunately, this is not how it works in our world, is it? This past week, I was meditating um, on this passage, and I couldn't help but remember the sad saga of the Salahis. You guys remember these guys? Tariq and his wife, Mikhail Salahi, this is the couple who crashed the state dinner at the White House. You remember this? They were part of the reality show, uh, Real Housewives of D.C., And they dressed the nines, they took a limo, and they basically bluffed their way past White House security to get into the state dinner for the Prime Minister of India. They were actually greeted by President Obama. They got to hobnob with VIPs until it was revealed that they didn't have formal invitations, but actually just crashed the party so that they could elevate their social status, which worked sort of. (laughs) Um, If you remember, the Salahis were publicly humiliated. Uh, in this media firestorm that began the moment they posted photos of the dinner on their Facebook page. That violates White House protocol. That's not typically how VIPs do it. Um, And within 24 hours, there was this investigation. The New York Times reported it this way. They wrote, uh, when Mrs. Salahi strutted onto the South Lawn in that bright red lehenga like a peacock, she and her husband breached far more than a secure perimeter. They also trampled countless protocols that are the social, business, and networking bedrock of Washington, Essentially, the couple used the mixed martial arts approach to upward mobility. <laughs> Guys, don't miss this. What party advice does Jesus give in Luke 14? He's like, when someone invites you, don't take the place of honor or you will be humiliated. And if you don't, aren't invited to a party, just don't go. <laughs> You're going to be more humiliated, right? Instead, he's like, I don't want you to take the path of upward mobility. I want you to begin downward mobility. He ends with these words. For everyone who exalts herself will be humbled. And she who humbles herself will be exalted. See, in their crude attempts to get noticed, the Salahis forgot the boomerang effect. Instead of becoming famous, they became infamous. Now, that's a negative example of, of Jesus' teaching when you're involuntarily humbled. And nobody wants it. You don't want to be humbled at work or called out in the school or wherever. But I want you to understand the positive side of humility. Because when you voluntarily put yourself in a position of humbling yourself in your home in your marriage in your career you actually humble yourself in the workplace yes you take the risk of being taken advantage of yes you have a risk of being overlooked but is guaranteed not to be overlooked by one person the master of the house the father sees this because the boomerang effect guys is more than a spiritual principle i am convinced it is the secret key to a powerful life that draws the favor of god and then impacts others for eternity see the reason we want the best seat in the house, why, why do we always want the best seat? Why do we push to the front of the spotlight, right? The reason we put ourselves first, guys, is because you and I were created for glory. I know that may sound weird, but each of us has a glory drive. And you're like, wait, I thought all glory goes to Jesus. Yes, but you were made in the image of God. And as bearing God's likeness, you actually have internally a desire for glory. Glory just means you have a desire to be admired, to be praised, to be seen as precious. You're unique. You're amazing, okay? The Old Testament word for glory, remember this, is kavod. It means weight. We all want to live a a great life, a weighty life. But inside, we secretly have this fear that we're lightweights, (laughs) that we actually are insignificant. That you know what? I don't know if my life does make a difference. And If I don't make my mark now and people notice me, I'll be forgotten. We may not have glory. So we go for the spotlight. We push our way to the front lest we be overlooked. Does that make sense? This is the glory drive in human terms. But Christ shows us a different path to glory. Because when he visited earth, Jesus had all the glory in the world with his father, okay? Yet when he came down to our level, he wasn't all self-seeking. Why? One reason. He was 100% confident in his father's love and affection. He knew he had glory with the father. Do you remember this? Jesus is baptized, heaven opens up, and what does the father say? He says, this is my son whom I love. Man, with him I am well pleased. Jesus, you are the bomb. And I believe literally Jesus... Those words of the father, this is before he did one miracle, one healing, he understands the father is crazy about him. And that's a powerful thing because he he lives the the only perfect life in the history of the world. And because of that, he was confident and secure in every situation. He had no problem taking the humble position because he was the king. He knew he was the king's boy, but he was content to wash feet like a servant. Amen? Amen. Jesus didn't need a title. He never held a position in the government. He never wrote a book. He never had a state dinner because he didn't have to prove his worth. He had one identity, the father's beloved child. More than that, he trusted his father to exalt him and restore him to glory at just the right time. As James 14 says, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? He will lift you up. That's what gave Jesus the courage to walk the road to the cross but because he was confident in the Father's love and he trusted him to exalt him back to glory at just the right time. And here's my question for you. Do you have that kind of confidence? Do you, do you know, do you, do you trust God that way? Because guys, humble, confident joy and trust is your birthright as a follower of Christ. Christ was brought low. He was crucified so you could be lifted up, exalted, boomerang. That's what happened on the cross. See, there's an exchange here. Christ became sin for us. In other words, he takes all your sin and he's humiliated. And another exchange takes place. When you trust in Christ, we receive his righteousness. You actually, you put, that's what the Bible says, you put a robe of righteousness on. You know what that means? When the Father looks down at you right now, God the Father is looking down at you and do you know what he sees? He sees the perfect life of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. That's amazing. That is unbelievable news that he looks at you and he doesn't see, oh, Tim, like two-thirds broken, a third okay. He goes, that's my boy. I see Jesus in you, Timmy. You become his son. You become his daughter. We are co-heirs with Christ. This is powerful. When that acceptance by God penetrates your heart, I, I am the Father's beloved child. I am the righteousness of Christ. Suddenly, all those insecure needs to prove yourself, I got I to gotta get a spotlight, start quieting down. I've got I to be noticed. Someone's got to affirm my worth. they got to tell me I'm special. They like me. They really, really like me. Ah, oh, that neediness gets quieted because you realize I am destined for glory. I have the glory of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's where I'm headed. You don't have this aching need anymore to make your mark because Christ has made his mark on you. And an eternity in glory awaits. Amen? That's what celebrities, that's what Salahis are all clamoring for immortality. I I need to be remembered. I need to make my mark. I need to be the greatest of all time. And people who who are trusting humbly in Christ simply say, the real deal is waiting for me in heaven. And when that glorious truth takes root in your heart, you know what the result is? Humble, confident joy. Because you, you trust the Father to provide for you, to actually bless you, and you believe that he will lift you up at the right time. You begin living a cruciform life, putting others' needs ahead of your own. Not always needing to be right, You don't always have to throw elbows to get into the spotlight or get the credit. You're actually willing to serve behind the scenes, anonymously, as many of you even do. Because you know glory awaits you. That's where your reward is, is with Christ. So you're willing to make temporary sacrifices here on earth. And he gets this, listen to me. When you make sacrifices, you go against your natural instincts to put others' deals ahead of your own deal. That is what draws the Father's favor. That, I believe, honestly, I'm going to say something a little bit provocative. I believe that's what opens the father's hands. of blessing into your life at just the right time when he sees that humble attitude demonstrated. Isn't that what every father wants? I mean, think naturally. For your child, if you're a dad, to walk humbly, just trust you, and actually put the needs of others first. That's what I want for my children. Um, A couple months ago, we were celebrating a family birthday, and we got one of those Carvel cakes. You know the, the ice cream cakes that have the crumblies in the middle? enjoy that moment oh yes love that man oh and whenever we get a carvel crumbly cake um it's like world war three okay my son and my daughter it's always you know my son's like i get the first piece you know and he tries to elbow a daughter my daughter uh, chase out of the way and so i pull one of these uh you know the, the old parenting trick i'm like well one of you gets to cut the cake but the other gets to choose the first slice you know well pretty clever but my son is younger and fairly gullible, so. He, uh, he's like, I get to cut it. I want to cut it. I want to cut it. I'm like, okay, you get to cut it. And he takes the knife out. And I'm like, this is a bad choice. But he, he cuts, of course, this big honking slice of cake for himself. And he looks at his sister and he cuts this little skinny slice for his sister. And his sister stands there like this, just wait. And I go, okay, Chase, your turn. He's like, wait, what, what's happening? No! You know, the horror of this, right? And this is what I love about my little girl because she realizes she's got her brother dead to write. She can really stick it to him at this moment. But she looks, oh, she looks at him, and then she looks over at me and she goes, winks at me. And she goes, Go ahead, Del, you can pick first. And of course, Del takes the biggest slice and he runs away like a little hobbit. (laughs) My precious Now look, I'm the father, okay? Daddy's been watching this whole thing on out, okay? And I see the sweet thing that my little girl does. She she puts her hobbit brother ahead of herself. (laughs) What do you think I did? You think I said, here's your skinny slice, sweetheart. I took that knife, give me that knife, (laughs) and I cut her the biggest slice of ice cream cake on the East Coast, man. Colleen was like, "Uh, do you think that's a little bit much? I was like, no, I don't, (laughs) you know, because I want to affirm something that I see in my child." that when she serves someone else first, she can trust her father to notice and release blessing and favor. Amen? Amen. You earthly fathers understand this. What does your heavenly father do? How much greater? My natural instinct is to bless my child because I know she can be trusted to do the right thing. And so I open the floodgates for her, even extra crumbles for my girl. (laughs) That's what the boomerang effect is, guys. It's believing and trusting your heavenly Father sees the heart of Christ being formed in you because you're humbling yourself. And then guess what? He decides to exalt you at the right time. First Peter describes it this way. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may what? He may lift you up in due time. In due time, do you trust the Father's timing? Or do you believe, go through life thinking, I've got to make this happen for myself? Because if I don't, no one else will advocate for me. Do you believe that if you take the humble path, if you put the needs of others ahead of your own, that God can be counted on to lift you up in due time? Could you trust your heavenly father to do that? Or do you believe it's all up to you? See this idea guys, that humility is the path to exaltation. I'll be honest, get real personal here. It was dramatically driven home to me this spring in our miracle at mountainside. That's what I'm calling it because it was a miracle. Um, If you've been hiding under a rock, you may not know this. Um, But in 33 days, God did a miracle in our church. It's incredible. A little over a month ago, a 191 year old Bible church calls us up and says, Could we become a campus of liquid church? And the rest is history. 33 days later, 33 days, they voted unanimously to donate their entire church to us. Building, property, assets, all of it is a gift of about $4 million. A literal miracle. 33 days. Does anything happen in 33 days? And so in 12 weeks, we are opening our first ever permanent facility as a church. It's incredible. People have been coming up to me and said, Tim, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did it happen so quickly? Here's Here's the truth. I do not know all of God's reasons. But I do know this. In April, when we celebrated our fifth birthday as a church, we made a decision. Not to throw a party or celebrate ourselves, but to feed the hungry, to clothe the homeless, and to serve the hurting. We put together, we said, what are we going to do for a birthday? You know what we're going to do? We're going to renovate an aid shelter. We're going to remodel a soup kitchen. We're going to invest $60,000 just to people who can't possibly pay us back. And many of you invested your money and your time, and I thank you from the depth of my heart, because that's what a cruciform life is. It's about saying, I'm putting the other's deal ahead of my own deal. That's what we did to kick off our birthday. Five weeks later, the father drops mountainside into our laps. Is that a coincidence? Was that the boomerang effect? I want you to listen carefully to me. Listen carefully. This is not Buddhism. I'm not saying this is karma, okay? Like, God did that to, you know, pay us back. Oh, I get it. Okay, so be humble, and good things come back to you. No. All I know is that the be- from the beginning of this year, guys, we have intentionally, as a church, been trying to put humility into practice. You remember this during Lent? We said we're going to humble ourselves through fasting. What's fasting? Fasting is cru- It's denying your flesh, You're saying, I'm going to empty myself and suffer a little bit so I can have more of the spirit of Jesus Christ in me. Amen? That's what we're doing. And so we're fasting and praying in these weeks leading up to Easter. God, bring us revival. We kick off this series about serving others. We invest financially to do that. And then, boom, Mountainside comes into our laps, gift wrapped in a bow from our Father in heaven. Is that coincidence? Is that random in your mind? I don't have the faith to believe in coincidence anymore. See, I believe the father releases favor into his children's lives only after they've humbled themselves because their hearts are finally ready. Their hands actually are open. We finally demonstrate, you know what? It's not about me anymore. And the father says, now that I can trust. That's a life I can bless. That's a, h- a humble heart I can, I can bless. I can open her hands. You, oh, I'm going to give my child more. I can expand his influence. I could increase her territory because I know she's not just going to use it on herself. I know he's not going to use this just to build his own little empire or abuse and manipulate others. I see they're starting to have a heart after my son, Jesus Christ, who looked to the needs of others ahead of his own, and I can trust that. That's a heart I can bless. I can open my hands to that kind of heart because there's something humbling, guys. You humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and what will the Father do? Lift you up at just the right time. It stirs his spirit. This entire mountains again, humbling because we have nothing to do with it. The entire process has been marked in humility. I still get choked up when I see that picture of 29 seniors raising their hands and voting to give away their church. Do you have any idea the kind of humility that takes? That is profoundly humbling. I'm like, I wanna be that humble when I grow up. It makes me wanna be humble in return. I mean, be honest. Would you raise your hand to give it all away? Guys, that's the missing element. That is true humility, guys. That's why we want to honor our fathers and mothers in the faith because, because when, when, it's kind of fun. When they have their final celebration in a week, we actually have a surprise for them. We located the old chapel bell from the 1800s, and we had it recast and polished, and we're going to surprise them with this bell from their original church 200 years ago and invite one of the widows to actually ring it for the first time because when her husband died 18 months ago she said his dying wish was that the bell would ring once again inviting people to hear the gospel. And we're like, man, we stand on their shoulders. So you begin living humbly and it begets humility. It opens the father's hands in ways you can't imagine or arrange for. In fact, I find myself, you know what, I honestly keeps me awake at night. I find myself wondering, what other things does the Father want to release into our church, into our families, but we're too full of ourselves at this point to receive. Let's read First Peter together. Big, loud voice, church. Say it like you mean it. You ready? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Do you believe in boomerangs? Because the Father loves to throw them. Can, 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 I, can I give this teeth and make this personal to you? Is there a current situation in your life right now that God is calling you to choose humility? Maybe it's a confrontation at work where you actually realize God's calling you, not that the other person is right necessarily, but he's calling you actually to back down, not out of fear of man, but trust of the Father. Is there a promotion that you're weighing, which which would mean you would get more prestige, but less time with the kids at home? Is there a relationship that needs mending? And you actually, God's calling you to humble yourself and take the first step towards reconciliation. But I was the one in the wrong. I was the one one who was right. What if he's actually calling you to take the humble first step? Could you trust him if you opened yourself up to exalt you, to bless you, to honor you? Because you lived in the steps of Jesus Christ, guys, it's powerful. It's powerful. What situation in your life, apply this to yourself, your home, your work, your school, your marriage, where you forgo your status to trust the Father? to step over your need to be right, or come in first, or hog the spotlight, and instead, I'm choosing the path of downward mobility, because I know humility is always gonna lead me upwards. I'm not talking, I just wanna clarify this, by the way, because some of you who do, if you struggle with low self-esteem, I'm not talking about letting others walk all over you. That's humiliation, you're not called humiliation, humility. Instead, I mean opening yourself up to the vulnerability of actually receiving correction, of being generous, of saying, you know what? Oh, it's not all for me, my precious. Oh, golem. Give it away, golem. <laughs> you will come back to life. Do you see, uh, do you actually open up and say, you know, how can I be doing better? That's a humble question. In the Father's house, the low place is now the high place because of Jesus Christ. The Father's house is where the master says, hey, I, I see you in the back row, Dave, in the back. Why are you sitting back there, man? Come forward, I want you sitting right next to me. Isn't that what we all want to hear? I have the best seat in the house, and Jesus pulls it out. Guys, this is how you grow and develop as a follower of Christ, which takes you from glory to true glory. Christ is greater than me. Can you say it? Christ is greater than me. The Son is brought low, so you can be lifted up by your Father. And if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus carried your sin on the cross, and now it's his righteousness you now wear, if that penetrates your heart, you have no need to elbow your way to the front because you have a seat of honor at the wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven. Did you know that's what the party is here in Luke 14? It's a wedding feast. Did you see that? It looks forward to the day when Christ is exalted Lord of all. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, and the sons and daughters of God are revealed for who they truly are. Not because of how great we are, but because of what Jesus did and that lifted us up. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? What's the pathway there? Humility. May you feel that this week as you humble yourself under God's mighty hand and trust your heavenly Father to lift you up at just the right time. Amen? Let's pray together. Come on, all our campuses. Raise your hands. Put your hands out to receive from your Father. Father God, we're raising our hands. We have nothing. We surrender and submit to you and the Lordship of Christ. We dare not call Jesus just our Savior, but our Lord. You're our Lord. We worship you, God. Everything we have is from you. And Lord, from those humble hands, we receive it and we say, thank you, Abba. Thank you. Lord, I pray right now for the men and women who are facing situations, Lord, in their lives where they need the humility of Christ. Would you just move that into them by the power of your Holy Spirit, God? Do things, Lord. Mend relationships, Father. Make advancements in the marketplace. Increase influence so that we can reflect it back to the glory of Jesus Christ, your Son in our Savior. We pray all of this in His glorious name. All God's people said together, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. liquidchurch.com where truth is relevant and grace wins.